the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus is a space alien, an extraterrestrial who is God on a mission to save the world, who breaks into space, who breaks into this planet, and somehow he identifies with a group of people that become his own, and through them he tries to save the planet and does. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxenzenko is entitled, The Christmas King is Coming Again. And you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Dear Father, we are so grateful that in humility you show your grace. And Father, thank you for the Christmas gift in Jesus. In his name, amen. The Gospel of John begins with Jesus as the Word of God who came to this planet as the light to overcome the night. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then you just go to verse 9, it says this, and the light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. I mean, we cannot look at Jesus without looking at the light of the world. And I'm grateful for Jesus as the light of the world in my life. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is the son of David. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is the son of Adam. That makes him the son of man, our brother. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus is a space alien, an extraterrestrial who is God on a mission to save the world, who breaks into space, who breaks into this planet, and somehow he identifies with a group of people that become his own, and through them he tries to save the planet and does. And so he became that first Christmas an alien presence that became familiar to us, came to his own home, his own people, and they treated him like an alien. On the front side of the Gospel of John, Jesus is coming into the world. You look at the first part of the Gospel, he's coming, he's coming. You look at the last part of the Gospel, he will come. The text says that Jesus came to his own people. Look at John 1 verse 9. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. Verse 11, he came to his own people, and his own people received him not. Now, how many times does it say he came in those two verses? How many times? Twice. He was coming into the world, and he came to his own people. Now, on the back side of the Gospel of John, Jesus will come again for his people. The Christmas King who came as light and knowledge for his people, who was rejected by them, we find on the very end of the Gospel, he is coming again. 
As Jesus is walking with Peter and John there on the Sea of Tiberias as the gospel comes to an end. And they're connecting about the future. And of course, John here is younger than Peter. And Jesus just discloses to Peter that before everything is over, before his life has run its course, he'll be taken where he doesn't want to go and he will die. And he indicated that he would stretch out his hands and die. And so Christ was telling Peter, you will be crucified. And sure enough, he was. He was hung upside down and crucified. So Peter, knowing how his end would come, turns to John and says, what about him? What will happen to him? And the answer is given in verse 22. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Verse 23. The saying spread abroad among the brethren that this disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. If it is my will that he remain until I what? What does the text say? Until I come, what is that for you? So how many times did Jesus say, I come twice, just like the front side of the Gospel of John? So the book ends, so the Gospel of John is, the true light was coming into the world. He came to his own people. And then the other side is, I am coming, I am coming. You see, you cannot enter into the Gospel of John without coming to grips with the fact that we have a Savior who has come to us, and we have a Savior who will come to us, and we live between the two comings, the first and second coming. So that first Christmas, Jesus was the true light that was coming into the world. He came to his own people, and they did not receive him. And the Gospel of John ends by saying, until I come, until I come. John uses many metaphors for Jesus, and they are all beautiful. Jesus is the light of the world. I like that one. Jesus is the new temple. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the door for the sheep. Jesus is the truth. Jesus says, I am the I am. And Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is so many good things in the Gospel of John. I mean, it's like John reaches throughout the entire Bible and other places to define Christ in such meaningful ways so we do not miss who Jesus is. But when the Roman procurator, Pilate, spoke at Jesus' trial in the Gospel of John, Pilate said of Jesus in John 19.5, Behold the man. We've often heard that in Latin. Echo homo. Behold the man. And shortly after in John 19.14, he said again, Behold your king. You know, John the Baptist had said at Jesus' baptism, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Friend, we cannot be saved unless we get in the business of beholding who Jesus is. I mean, this notion that we can function in a religious safe mode and that we can do what we want to do and just play around with the church and prophecy and the time of the end, we're kidding ourselves. We must behold Christ. We must embrace his word. We must know him to be saved. Now, friend, if you behold the Lamb of God, you will be saved. Not maybe or might, but you will be. In Christ there is life, the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world to be our king and friend. This Christmas king, he came, and he's coming again, and we must behold him. In John 1.11, Jesus came as an extraterrestrial to his own home. He'd identified with the people of Israel in the Old Testament. They had become his people, and he became the homeless God because they cast him out of his own home. Think about it. A God without a hearth, a God without a temple crucified outside his temple, a God who should belong to somebody, but who didn't gel with his own people to belong to them. That's how John begins. The lonely God who had to start over and find a new home to call his people. And that new home was the Christian church. The Christmas king came to his people who didn't want him to be their king. 
Now, this season, I ask you the question. I want you to listen well to me. If Christ were to come to your home this Christmas, would he find a place in your home to be king? You hear me? Would he? Would he find a heart that is fully surrendered to him so that he is king? Would his Christmas tree be set up in your house or a different kind of Christmas tree? Friend, Christ comes every day to our homes, but this Christmas he's coming in a special way. How will you receive him in your home? And when he comes, will he find you enamored with his tree? You know, we live in a day and age when people could care less for the tree that matters most, the cross of Christ. We live in an age when people are enamored with the glare and the glitter of the world, but not the one who created the world. And when Christ comes this Christmas, will he find you enamored with his tree? Friend, hope is not a wish. Hope is a rendezvous with life. And Jesus is the life of God. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom is a tree of life that has precious fruit for those who feed. The tree of life is only mentioned in three books of the Bible. You'll find it in the book of Genesis. You'll find it in the book of Proverbs. And you'll find it in the book of Revelation. You won't find the term anywhere else in the Bible. If the Bible is a great tree of life, a fractal tree of truth, then I'm a student of linguistic chiastic analysis. I know that it is. I have worked for 20 years in the Bible to demonstrate that it is a chiastic structure where the end and the beginning matches and it moves in tight association from Genesis and Revelation, the end, through the book of Revelation of Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. I've taken it to Genesis 22. And there are structures within structures. The Bible is a fractal tree of truth because it bears witness to the Creator God, to the Son of God who inspired it. It is the Word of God. There are metaphors in the Bible for God's Word. But if you think about this, if you think of the tree of life in Genesis, the tree of life in Revelation, well, the tree of life in the center is the book of Proverbs. And I've been able, by God's grace, to demonstrate that the book of Proverbs is the linguistic center of the canon. Proverbs 8 is the exact center of our Bible. And I'll give you the verse without proving it today. Proverbs 8.30 is the exact center of Scripture. It is the Hebrew word amon, which is the base word from which we get the word amen. It means master workman, like a carpenter. So at the very center of wisdom is the carpenter king. And he is the architect, the workman of God that made all things. So the tip of the tree is the book of wisdom. So the Word of God is bread in the Bible. The Word of God is light in the Bible. The Word of God is a tree of life in the Bible, a fractal system of beautiful linguistic structures that lead us to the top of the Christmas tree that is Jesus Christ. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 8, 35 and 36, and speaking of wisdom, for he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who misses me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Wisdom is a tree of life. The leaves of the tree are the words of God. And when you find the tree, you find life. How many of you like to eat from the tree of life? You want to go eat there? But, you know, think about it. The words of God and the leaves of the tree of life are really the same thing. One of these days, maybe I'll have a whole sermon on that. Let me show you a quote from my favorite religious author. Inspirational writer, inspiring person who was deep into the Word of God and had insights from God wrote this in an address, April 3, 1901. The Word of God is to be our guide. Have you given heed to the Word? The testimonies, referring to her writings, are not by any means to take the place of the Word. 
They are to bring you that neglected word. Now, that's a good word because I think today we neglect the Bible, don't we? That neglected word, that you may eat the words of Christ, that you may feed upon them, that by living faith you may be built up on that which you feed. If you live in obedience to Christ... Now, we don't talk about that sometimes, but friend, if you have a faith relationship with Christ, you will be obedient to Christ. I mean, this business that you can be half surrendered and be a disciple is other nonsense. We either get in our knees and put those ends down and ask the Lord to take full control of who we are, what we do, and be committed for his cause, or we are not a disciple. It's time to get engaged in the last days. And so if you live in obedience to Christ, she writes, and his word... You can't ignore the Bible and be in obedience to Christ. I know folks today think, well, the Bible is this human book that evolved over millennia. It's a product of a faith community. It's nonsense stuff. The Bible is a brilliant document embedded with the mind of the preexistent Christ who created DNA, who formed the fabric of the universe, who made the world. And friend, you can bank your life on the Bible because it is the word of Jesus. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. So if you live in obedience to Christ and His Word, she writes, you are eating the leaves of the tree of life, which are for the healing of the nations. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to eat the leaves of the tree of life. They are the words of your Bible. Take your Bible out with me. Would you just do that? Take it out. It's good to take it out every now and then. Have you ever noticed that when you turn the pages of this codex, this book, the Christians had a lot to do with the formation of codex books because they needed it to put all this material into the person's hand. So when you take your Bible and you turn the pages, you're turning the pages with words on it, the leaves of the tree of life. Now, my little boy, John Michael, he's not a little boy now, he's a grown man. I'm living in the past a little bit. He got a little ketchup on it one day. You know, you ever do that? Spilled something on your Bible because you use it. You ever gnaw on the pages of your Bible in the good way? Just settle in and feed on that thing? We must be living off of the leaves of the tree of life. God has given us a Bible to help us live forever. Proverbs 3, verses 18 and 19. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called happy. If you want to be happy, you need your Bible time in the morning or in the evening. What works for you, but you need it. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. Friends, wisdom is the word of God, and wisdom became flesh in Jesus Christ, and wisdom dwelt among us full of grace and truth, John says. The one who inspired the word of God, like in Hebrews 1, 1, in many ways and various kinds of fashions, God spoke to us in times past by the prophets. You know, don't let some smart theologian tell you that God did not speak in the Old Testament prophets. It is the very word of God. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son to whom he has made the heir of all things, through whom he made the world. I mean, the wisdom of God that created this planet, that formed it, that put it into the mix, friend, is the wisdom of God that put this Bible in your hand through the prophets and the wisdom of God that put Jesus on earth to speak the word of God that became the New Testament of our Bible. 
And that canon formed in the 16th century to become the Bible for the last days. In the Reformation, when they translated the scriptures, they expunged those books that had no right to be there. And the Bible canon formed as the great tree of life for the last days. And we need to cling to our Bible. And so in the Gospel of John, wisdom comes to the cross. The Word of God comes to the cross. And Pilate says of him, Behold your king. God's Word must be king in our lives. And the one who came to save us goes away to save us. He goes to the outside hill, to the summit of the Mount of Olives, near the altar of the red heifer, the Adam heifer, the place that the ancient Jewish people believed Adam's skull had been buried because it most likely was. And there Christ died for the sins of the world, looking straight down at the eastern wall to the veil of the temple. The veil was rent as he died. He was rent, and thus the veil and him are one truth. He goes to the lonely cross because the wisdom of God is a tree of life. And on that tree, Jesus dies for you and me. You know, friend, God forbid that we should glory in anything except the cross of Christ. Because on that cross, we see God's wisdom, the tree of life. The Christmas king came to die on a tree to give us life because wisdom is the tree of life. How do you find Jesus who is the wisdom of God in your daily life. Let's get real practical here. How do you find Him? Well, friend, you won't find Him in yourself. You won't find Him in your best efforts to impress God. Service has its place. It's a loving faith response to God. But it's not a means whereby you earn favor with God. You won't find Him in your self-made ideas, your philosophy, or your theology. You know, we have so many philosopher kings going around these days who think that they can come up with a theology or philosophy that will take the place of the Bible in your life. Nope, won't work. You will find him, Christ, when you come to the tree of life, the cross. And when you embrace the cross and all that it teaches as your wisdom, as your right to know God, your right to be accepted by God, as you submit to that cross by humbling yourself, And confessing your need for a Savior, you will have the wisdom of God. You will be saved. In fact, at that moment and for eternity, if you cling to the cross. The best way to find Jesus, friend. Let's take it out again. You know, we turn the leaves. Hold your Bible up. Would you take it out? Come on, raise it up. It's in your Bible. I'm going to tell you right now. As long as I'm in this pulpit, I'm going to be preaching Bible teaching here, okay? I'm not going to slip into this other stuff. I'm about the Word of God and the prophecies and the Gospels. And I'm not going to pick and choose what's important. This entire Bible is the precious Word of Christ for me. And we all need it. I need it. You need it. The Bible is the living Word of God. God guided the prophets in both their thoughts and in their writings. Some people say, well, you didn't, you know, the words of the Bible, you didn't have anything to do with that. Well, my favorite Bible-inspired writer that I just referred to has a profound statement at the beginning of the book, The Great Controversy. She says, God guided the prophets in their thoughts and in their writing. That means the words of God are directed. We ever had thoughts without words? How profound are they? You ever had thoughts without words? You know, some theologians going around saying, well, you know, thought inspiration, but the words don't matter. Well, you know, I'll tell you who thinks that way. My dog and cat think that way. Right? I mean, it's thoughts without words. That's not very good, is it? Take the gift of tongues, the original gift in the apostolic church, which was the gift of languages. We know this in Acts 2, that every man heard his own dialect what the Lord was doing. Now, we know the gift of tongues is not the highest gift. It's way down on the list. 
What goes through the power of the Holy Spirit in the human brain to make that happen? The power of the Holy Spirit has to go into the brain, the centers of the brain, the Brokaw and War Wrinkles areas, which have to do with speech, and has to take one language and create another so it comes out the mouth the right way. How powerful a gift is that? And how much does it interact with the words of the person who in the apostolic age, who grew up speaking Aramaic, could speak the dialect of Roman, Latin, or whatever, so that people could hear the truth? It's stunning what happened in the gift of tongues. And yet these same philosopher kings will tell us that somehow in the gift of inspiration through the prophets, that that dynamic power is not in the word of God. No, uh-uh. God guided the prophets in their thoughts and in their writing. We hold in our hand Jesus' words, not human words only. Christ, the utterances of the man became the word of God because the divine mind was diffused into the prophets and together Christ is speaking to us. He guided them in their thoughts and writing. The Bible we hold in our hand is the word of God. So if you want Jesus who is wisdom, you must receive him in the word of God that is your Bible. That first Christmas, Jesus came to his own people and they did not receive him. You know, the same thing's happening in our time. There are people who are rejecting Christ because they will not receive their Bible correctly. Why? Because they think they're smarter than the Bible. We are not. John 1.11. He came to his own home and his own people received him not. This Christmas, I don't want to be in the group that doesn't receive Jesus. Are you with me? I want to be in the group that says, yes, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and King, the Christmas King. You know, one of my favorite Christmas songs is Away in a Manger. I don't do it like anybody else does. My wife says, honey, you play wrong. I have a guitar, and I'm going to play it for you one of these days. Maybe before Christmas. Can I try it? You'll have to bear with me. I don't do special music, but I'd like to. I was fiddling with the sound system here a few weeks ago. But we're going to do it the right way this Christmas. We're going to break into the sermon here. But you know what I like about this song? It's more about being away from Christ and finding him and coming near. It's about being away and coming near more so than a manger. Because the song is about receiving Jesus who is far away in the hay and finding your way to live with him forever. It's about the Christ that was not easily received and the Christ who needs to be invited home to say, away in a manger. No crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep in the hay. The cattle are lowing. The baby awakes. But the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I'm not sure I agree with that line. I think he cried a little bit. I think he did a wah like my children did. You know, it helps to develop the lungs. He can be a good preacher. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky and stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. We are the real children. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay. Close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and take us to heaven to live with thee there. You know, this song captures so much, doesn't it? It talks of the Christ who came as the little Lord Jesus, the Christmas King, And it talks about Jesus coming again to take us to heaven, to live with him there. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. You know, at Christmas time, I know he was born in the fall. How many of you know he was born in the middle of the fall of September, October? I can prove it from the Gospel of Luke that Jesus was not born at Christmas. But you know what I'm going to do every Christmas? I'm going to celebrate it anyway. Get up there to heaven. Get the tree of life out. You know, it's out all the time. And we're going to put lots of ornaments on the tree of life. Would that be okay? Huh. 
that's what I want to do. Yeah, I think the Lord will let me do at least one year in eternity. Friend, Jesus came to his own people and they did not receive him. They still don't in many places. Christ comes today to the people too busy to receive him. He comes to the people too smart to receive him. He comes to the people too rich to receive him. And he comes to those who will and they do receive him. And that is the group I want to be in this Christmas. I want to receive him. I don't want to say, well, you know, come on my terms. No, I want his word. I want him. I want to live forever. John 1, 12, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God. The Greek is authority. When God makes you a child of God in Christ, you have authority to say, I am a child of God. Look what it says next. Who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. And then he says this amazing statement. We have beheld his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Behold the man. Behold your King. Behold the glory of the only Son from the Father. You cannot get through the Gospel of John without beholding Jesus. What does it mean to receive Him? Practical question. John spells it out quite plainly in these verses. Let's just focus on three vital elements. Number one, those who receive Him believe in His name. In the Bible, God's name and God's law are the same thing. Many Christians don't realize that. In the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus said, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's saying this, may the authority of God come into my life because I hallow God's name. Psalms 119.55, a scripture clearly shows us the relationship of God's name and God's law. It says, I remember thy name in the night, O Lord. And what does that mean? He says, I keep thy law. God's name, God's law, same thing. When God gave the law at Sinai, he was spelling out his name for you. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your Heart yourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.